Tov, uh, I'll start with a question. Uh, which language? <laughs> English. English. Okay, Tov. Uh, <laughs> I still not going to go the motions. Peseda. Uh, First of all, I look at and Tadarva for coming. I'm hoping, assuming that you also have a good time, but it's, it's really heartwarming to see people coming back and be connected. Also, to see the range we have here from Mamash, uh, early 1970s, from the earliest Machzorim till uh, very, very recent. Uh, and it's, it's much beautiful to see the, the whole range. And uh, there's something very nice to Kulamik Ritsu Baulach, you know, it's really, the, it's beautiful. So, Alfisha uh, Koach, and I am, it's like the show I know, I hope you know this, you'll like be energized and be charged, and this will, you know, and another Bimayla, and then we can have another Mishmar. Um, I feel a bit awkward. I, uh, you know, it's funny to do a, a questions and answers with 20-year-olds. I'm not trying to either anymore, but uh, I said, I guess when I, when I first began teaching, I was the ripe age of 30, and my Talmudim were 1920. So, uh, but my daughter at the time was two years old, or three years old. So I said, okay, 18 year olds are very grown adults. Uh, and I was very impressed with 18 year old students. Uh, then my daughter was 10. Okay, so. So 18 is still, uh, you know, a whole different stage of life. You know, my daughter turned 18. I said, wait a minute. These are adults, but she's a child. And uh, my 18-year-old at home was my, my boobal. And uh, I made sure to pamper her. And, uh, and she, made, she made sure that I pampered her. Uh, and, uh, and he really... Sh- so at some point, I decided to do Palgina. And in the Shiva, they're adults at 18. At home, the uh, at home, the kinderlach, and adayom, uh, I, I can invite you know Talmidim to eat with us. So my daughters get the they get the privilege of choosing wine or grape juice because they're children. Uh, and so my twenty four year olds took the grape juice, but bachurim I don't ask them. I give them wine, and but I feel behind. I feel a bit awkward here, but listen, I'm willing to answer. You know, ex cathedra or uh, but. Feel free to contribute or to argue to to whatever because uh, so right each person here has his own life experience and his own opinions and I think the shiva doesn't I like this the shiva doesn't claim the rabbinim have all the wisdom or all the knowledge uh, and I think one of the problems of rabbanut nowadays or one of the problems of public life in this country and probably not only in this country is is that too many rabbinim think they have all the answers. Uh, so, uh, it, and um, to remember, but we're talking about topics that they don't really know too much about. So, I think you know we should uh, we should be careful what we try to address and what we decline to address. Uh, beside it, but the floor is yours. I was I was, uh, I was told to come to work to do Q and A, so here I am. The <laughs> 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 uh, Yeah, I wanted to ask you. Uh, I work in tourism, and most of the, the our tourists are Christian. And uh, you know, to, to know the product, we have to we have to not be selling. You know, uh, you're going to the Via Dolorosa, you're going to the Sepulchre, you're going to you know all these places. It's important to like uh, see what you're actually you know talking about. So would it be an issue 
like from my perspective to go into into these places and check them out and know what know, you know. Okay, so uh, I'll say like this. Well, I, I will not do, give a psak, you know, in, in, in this kind of format. You know, with sixty people, I am. There was. I'm going to discuss the issues in general. I, I do think, and that you should go. You know, I think you should approach. You know, your 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 mardatra, your rav, whoever you feel is your posek. I think I think you should discuss this with him. It's, it, because there are here, there are halachic issues, and not only. Uh, this is not just a question of you know like. Data yadu, the real halachic issues involved over here, and um, once more, I, I don't think it's right to, to give a psak, you know, since from such a question from so many people, it's uh, I know I should put myself in special, put you in the spot, but uh, I do think you should you should then go and, and you know speak, speak to whoever your psak is, uh, speak and, uh, and and get a more formal psak. I can just tell you, bigadol, uh, I think you have to define the issue here. It, you know, you divide the issue into the strictly halachic issue and the more general hashkafah, well, that's not but the more the emotional issue. And because, there's, now there's, all, there's a long history to this, of course, which is when we have a Sechot Avodah Zarah. The Sechot Avodah Zarah has a whole list of prohibitions and isurim, and almost all of them, real ages, were observed in the breach. Right? From the first Tosfot, from the Sechot Avodah Zarah, literally the first Tosfot, Till almost the last Tosfot, these issues constantly come up. We, you know, our practice diverges from what Chazal told us. The reasons are obvious, because Chazal talking about a society in which the Jews are the majority and it's their land, and and and, 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 and we have to be the rove. And Jews in the Middle Ages are their lives are hanging by a thread by Mikratov. They're in a host culture which is hostile towards them, and uh, and the male and, and of course, uh, so the obviously it becomes a whole problem. And there's a whole literature, both halachic and historical, about uh, you know about all these issues. But I think when you study the sugyot and when you deal with them nowadays. You have to take into account one question is is mutar zelasa, right? Is this lifnei iver or lifnei de lifnei? Is lifnei is it a or a doraisa? If it's a drabanan, so what term can we apply to the right and so on? And once more, there's a, there's a whole uh, there's literally uh, a whole a whole a huge amount of literature on this. There's another question though, which is not um, which is not the uh, the halak issue. It's it's the emotional one. Rital. In 1975, he went to the States for a three-month visit. You know, after Hanuman Kippurim, he, he himself described that he wanted to get away from everything and to uh, and to relax a bit. Well, he went. He also wanted to get to know American Jewry. He spent three months in um, the United States, Parintinic, uh, Side, if I remember. He came back, gave a sicha about his impressions. One of them, which which I remember uh, quite vividly, he. He described how he went some Sunday morning. He went with, you know, in early Chayit, he went with him to uh, to show for you know for, for Shabbos and Sunday. They came up to eat breakfast on uh, you know, and this guy's in the kitchen. He turns on the news to hear the he turns on the radio to hear the news. When the news is over, so he's he's sitting down to the table with his coffee. So he's too lazy to get up and shut the radio. 
So the radio continues to play in the background. In the meantime, they're broadcasting live a mass from some local church. Uh, <laughs> and, you know, and, and they are, you know, enjoying, the, enjoying their coffee and, and the newspaper with, uh, with this mass. Uh, finally, uh, and this is literally what Chazal said, you search with Chutz of the Avodah Zarbitar. Finally, we tell us to Slichai, do you mind if I get up and I shut the radio? Uh, and like, you know, this is like one thing that stuck with him, how a Jew could... Uh, you know, become so. Uh, I say, you know, he, he could be so. Uh, and just you know, he oblivious to all of this. You know, it's like uh, he he's, he lost all his sensitivity. He becomes so insensitive that you sit there and um, and now uh, and the same I think holds true about uh, about these other issues. Uh, for instance, you know, a person wants to go sightseeing in a church. It's it, it, like this. There's one issue to go sightseeing. You want to go see the art. Something else, you want to go sightseeing to. Uh, I, I, I remember once a kid asked me, Shiloh, have Yeshiva here? Can you go to a church in, uh, in Europe? And I assumed uh, that, like, almost 95, 95, like 90% of the people, he wanted to know whether he could go see the art. So I began telling him, you know, it's, I guess I began telling him, my father is a position it. And he was telling him, he wants to go see a mass. So, I mean, I, I almost swallowed my tongue. <laughs> and um, I said to him, why? I mean, it would say, you know, it's kind of anthropological uh, curiosity. I, I, I won't repeat my answer, but it, well, it, was, not, it was not too delicate. Uh, and because I, I was astounded by his religious insensitivity. Let's say I give you a head to Let's say I can find a head there. It's, uh, you know, it, it would still be, uh, you know, it should be a thousand, but you should still hate to do it. So that's, that's what I think you have to ask yourself here when you go, what, what, out of the halacha, you've just said before, I, you go consult with, with the recognized post. Uh, but also, I think you have to ask yourself, like, what will be your sensitivities? Are you, like, do you identify? Do you not identify? Is this like what, what the Gemara calls in a different context? And the Gemara says that about, uh, about more about, about sexual issues. That certain things, if a person is involved, like, like a doctor, uh, the Gemara says about, about a different case, but I know that because you, you're engaged in your work, you're not, you're not existentially, emotionally involved. You know, you go, it's done by rote. Is that your or, or can, can that not be? If you take a group of Christians, do you have to get engaged in their, uh, like, do you have to enter into their narrative, into their heads? Uh, you know, I think that the emotional issues here are, are also important, uh, not only the, not only the, the halachi ones. Bigodosh, I said final point once more, I will not make, give any psaq. My father's general approach to this was, was quite machmer. Was he, uh, I think it was part of, I think the reason he was because of his religious sensitivity, but he was he was pretty machmer. Uh, I mean, there are all kinds of stories uh, in which uh, he, he literally was uh, unlike many other years. I think because he was not a, he was not too much of a machmer in general. Psaac. He was a machmer and very specific. The few issues which he was one was abortion. You know, anything have to do with life, end of life issues, uh, abortions. He was machmer in both of these issues. Couple of Abrios issues, he was Machmir, Avelus, uh, and, uh, and this. Uh, that does at least what comes to me, what comes to my. I, I think I think it was relatively medical, but um, 
so okay, that's why I can uh, leave it at that. A lot of people are going up to Harabite and the voice wanted to know the opinion of the rabbi, the opinion of the Raspado, is it acceptable for us to go to visit Harabite or is it something that we should avoid? I can speak for myself. I can describe what my father did. My father never ever went to Harabite. That I can say, that, that's a fact. And uh, even though I wasn't away for seven with him, uh, I can I can never say that as a fact. He never went to Harabite, and he would probably. Then again, his answer may be, but you know, I can't speak for him. I can tell you what he did. Ditto for Avamital. And so, if, if anyone wants to know, like, Jesus Morris phrase and Maserav, like, can we learn from their actions? I think yes, we should learn from their actions. And I think their actions are quite clear, you know, what they were. I also don't think that changing circumstances, I don't think, aside from the fact it's become more widespread amongst people, I don't think the basic issues have changed. And some issues, I mean, if you ask me, like, what did my father think about, you know, and this is not a time to get a question, I mean, these issues come too often. Like, what did my father think about, the taking seven territories, a snushing, whatever. So I would say to you, I don't think that from what happened 20 years ago, we can necessarily, you know, uh, project onto the future. These are social dynamics have been changing. And I don't think it's a social dynamic. I think it's much more a halakhic issue. And I don't think the political, I don't think the major political issues have changed. Now, I mean, when political issues, I mean geopolitical. I don't mean, you know, whether the Israeli government is more, I mean the interaction with the world at large. And I, I don't think that the halakhic issues have changed much. So uh, I, that's why I do think that what, that what he did is a sort of a reliable guidepost to what he would continue to do. Like, had he been alive nowadays, uh, I don't think, you know, I'm pretty sure he would, he would continue the same policy. Um, now, uh, that, that, that's what uh, I can say what he did. If you ask me, I, I, my, my opinion, I can stay. I actually wrote about this about 15 years ago in Hatzofet, Zecher, Zichrona, Zichronodi Vracha. I can, um, I, I, think, uh, I, I think the following. There are a bunch of different issues here. And, or many different reasons why I think, uh, you know, I think it's inadvisable and, and, and to go to Harbaid Basman nowadays. Look, um, first of all, there are, if you want, there are, there are, there are halakhic issues, there are, uh, and then I think there, there are non-halakhic issues, which are much more important. The halakhic issue is a factual issue. And, you know, you have to, the question is how much you rely or don't rely upon archaeology and various other, uh, and various other considerations. And let's say this, broadly speaking, you know, personally, and if you ask my father, he as well, I think we do subscribe to a position that scientific knowledge such as this is valuable in passing Shilas. There was, um, when, when, during the 1982 war in Lebanon, so there was a Shilas towards Sukkot, the war began a week after Shavuot, but there were Chaylib still in Lebanon to Sukkot. Uh, I, I actually left Arab Sukkot, so... Uh, I gotta make a time for this question. Of course, we get to Shani. 
And now, besides for, uh, so okay, now, it's like this. There's a huge difference there between Beirut, which is an ear, and, and the Midbar, which was, uh, but anyways, Ben Ayetar, if I remember correctly, this, and this, this is what's important for this uh, point, there's a Mishnah, Masechet Shvi, which talks about Hanaha, which is the, the, the northern boundary of Israel. So the Maharit, if I remember, says it's the Litani. That's the Alali, which is next to Tzidol. And the Nafkamina was, that most was in between these two rivers. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> so, um, Rav Shapiro was asked, and Rav Shapiro said, the Marit is a posik. Rav Yobinu is not a posik. So, he, may, uh, you know, he basically discarded Rav Yobinu and, uh, and his Mechkar uh, in favor of, uh, of the Marit. Uh, my father comes at the time. You know, he doesn't think you know, in questions, um, in factual questions, uh, that you should follow necessarily. Uh, you know, posek. Uh, you follow posek in terms of authority, in terms of uh, interpretation of sources. There's a factual questions. Uh, if you want to look, you use a dishwasher on Shabbos or not. So you talk to an engineer. What's the, what's the physics of the dishwasher before you then talk to? You know, if your problem with the dishwasher on Shabbos is secretion of nichale. Or is it Bishul in garbage? You talk to a posek. What? <laughs> if you talk to, to if you talk to, to uh, if you understand whether it's Yatsalad, you talk to an engineer, etc. By the way, this is a crucial point. Uh, well, it's a crucial point regarding Tehillot also, but it's a crucial point regarding Ethiopians because Ravadi Yosef took 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 the Ravon Shapir's approach. That Ravadi Yosef has no archaeological, historical knowledge. What he did was he took a tshuva the Radvas. Now, if you subscribe to the position that you follow post-scheme, so it's reasonable. And the truth is, I think Ravadia, to his credit, was consistent. I think, really, I think he would have done the same thing about, about you know, Tchelet or about Harabayit or whatever. If you believe that these kind of questions should be answered by professionals uh, with, with professional knowledge, what he did with Ethiopians can't be done. You have to go to a, to a historian or whatever and get their opinions. What, whether whatever their opinion is, that's what, should, that's what you should try to get the information, not from the Radvaz. So this, this, you know, this is like a question which cuts across many different... Uh, to get, so get back to our bait. The other question, I think you talk to archaeologists. Is it reasonable they can map out an area which is safe? I think it's probably reasonable. Once my island, you know, I never looked into this uh, from, uh, from, you know, from from the technical details. I suspect that it's probably it's probably possible. You know, if you now you have to always take into account that you know archaeology is an inexact science. Uh, if they call the science, but but you have to take into account it's like this. You do have to take into account the uh, But besides, I assume it can be done. And if you take a broad, you know, if you take a wide enough, uh, you could probably find a. So, so that I think that's not the real issue. I think the issue is I think there are two main issues and a bunch of peripheral ones. The main issue is the two main issues are number one, what will this impact upon Am Israel? In other words, I think at the end of the day, what what really really matters is the after the Shem and uh, I'm afraid, or I think, that by emphasizing Harabayit, 
and by making or by emphasizing going up to Harabayit, we will be very self-defeating. I think what happens is very simple. Harabayit will be seen as another religious Zionist messianic uh, project, or to build the new and said about Yudam Shomron, Shitnachalnu Ba'ishuvim, Vilobalavavavot, we repeat itself in Harabayit. I think in two people can go into Harabayit. As long as Harabayit made an abstract idea, it was people identified with it more. So in, in, in that article I wrote at the time, and this was 2006, if I remember, that's our formula. The question is, Harabayit be Adeinu or Harabayit be Vaveinu? And I'm afraid that given the current dynamics of Israeli society, that in a sense is the choice. That the more Harabayit is be Adeinu, be Admi. It's not what the going up to Harabayit anymore. Going up to Harabayit now means people are giving Tzach Levi. Levi is a tzaddik. He is sincere, a million percent of what he's doing. He, um, he was once asked, how, how can we promote Harabayit? He said, open up a legal center, uh, you know, for legal aid for the poor. Because mm-hmm. You know, I, I have deep respect for what he does in Harabayit. I mean, if you, if, uh, but, but at the end of the day, what does the Chiloni, the, the Chiloni works with my wife? If, if you see like Levi going to Harabayit, what, what are they going to see? A Jew with a huge kippah and a big beard <coughs> going up to Harabayit. And the same is true about Rav Meidan. You know, Rav Meidan, he can say whatever he wants about, you know, I'm not getting something done. But if you go to Harabayit, what will the person, you know, the, 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 the Chilni observer see? Again, Rosh Hashirah with the black kippah and, and the big beard going up in the name of, uh, you know, and, and so on and so forth. The more Harabayit becomes a one segment, uh, you know, it, becomes, it belongs to one segment, and that segment is Tzeludatit. With all the baggage of Rav Kook and Mitzitz Michat Gulate, you know, I think this will, this will cause and does cause a sense of rejection by the rest of Am Israel. And if, the more Harbait is Biadeinu, so yeah, yeah, the, the statistics may be impressive. You know, they've gone from, you know, 600 people to, let's say, 6,000 or whatever. But, but that's exactly the point. The, the point The point is, oh, let's say 60,000 people are Harbait. I think it's safe to say that 90% of the Tzili Dati, and maybe a few more you know, idiosyncratic Haredim, idiosyncratic Haredim, and, is, um, and that, what that really cause is, Harabayit will be something Yudav Shomron. Yudav Shomron, I'm not talking now about the, the suburbia, Yudav uh, Shomron, in its ideological sense, belongs only to Tzili Dati. Uh, just to give us a, a simple point, someone once said to me, and I haven't checked it recently, but I trust this broadly speaking true. Chilonim, even those who don't have a Shomron, they don't bury you, don't have a Shomron. The, the only people that bury you, don't have a Shomron, are dead to you. And uh, now, if this happens to, now, I think by going to, by, by going to Harabayit and making an issue of this, so <laughs> I think we're gaining a certain toehold in Harabayit, which, which is, I'm not saying it's insignificant, it is an achievement. And the fact that once upon a time there's only Muslims there now, Jews have some, you know, right, right, right. I think it has some value. I wouldn't say it's meaningless. But if I balance that against, uh, you know, I remember in 1999 when, when uh, Barak was a Kim David, there was a demonstration of hundreds of thousands of people who should go to Harabite, many of them not Dati. But I think it's going to happen nowadays. 
because this raises all of the fears of you know, that uh, because of Meshichiyut and this, they're going to bargain away uh, all kinds of opportunities for an agreement. So that's one reason. I just think the divine in Israeli society should... Uh, so, I, so after I wrote this, so a bunch of people, you know, I, I, some, a bunch of people commented. But the, the, the problem is, the they've already, you know, washed Har- they've already washed the hands of Harabayit. This will not cause them to reject Harabayit. They rejected it before. I think, I, don't know, I, I have my doubts whether that's true, but even if, it's, even if it is true, I think we should, we should do our best not to make it worse. Even if the Chilonim no longer feel connected, I don't think that we should go and make, make it something which is, uh, you know, this, this kind of uh, a shadow, cast, cast even larger shadow upon the whole issue. That's number one. Number two, I still think that, uh, I, I do think that, uh, it's like this, I don't think there's no reason to go up, but I do think that those who go up, or those who advocate going up, do not take into account seriously enough the geopolitical, the fact that it's, it's a powder keg uh, with a very short fuse on it. Uh, at the end of the day, it's, uh, it's not such a crazy thing to, to recognize. One mistake or a few mistakes in Harabait, you can blow the whole Middle East to smithereens. The whole thing can blow up in everybody's faces. You know, it has it looks like this. Buch Hashem, it hasn't it hasn't happened, but Chacham enough for a show to make sure it shouldn't happen, because the benefit of what we're getting at the moment, I don't think justifies at times the risks. I think the risks are real. But the fact that Ada Yom you know, it's been minor, there's been only minor problems. Uh, look. It was, the, the Intifada eventually. First of all, we paid a very, a very tragic price for some of the Intifada. But uh, at the end of the day, they didn't spiral out totally out of control. But there wasn't that. That doesn't, you know, past performance is not an indication of future results. And what was clear in the past, these things have the potential to spiral out of control. Or I'll put it differently, I said before, but Nimr not. No, that's security analysts, but I, from, my, from my perspective at least, what's really scary are not the, terror, not the terrorist organizations per se. Those cause tragedies, horrible tragedies. What's really scary though is a popular uprising. If hundreds of thousands of people uh, are willing to confront you and not to back down. Because against that, there's very little you can do. And I think the only thing that has the potential to really trigger that is is Harabai. You talk to some I've gone to some Israeli Palestinian you know, meetings and the like. They become irrational on the topic. When Harabai comes up, you can't rational discussion. And uh, I don't know, I just think that yeah, at the end of the day what we get from going to Harabai, maybe say we put better Mikdash, we're not. At the end of the day we're getting very peripheral uh, benefit. So it's very nice to say that, you know, that, you know, 20, 30, 40, 50,000 people, you know, can make a sibuv and, and walk around. I don't think that's worth risking, you know, the entire Middle East for that. And I guess I think, uh, now I'll say the same, I make the same point from a slightly different perspective. Because Baruch told us to Ovdal Shomra, and because Baruch told us, you know, we should take charge of Israel, he's mandating to us 
to weigh benefits versus risks. Now, in this case, uh, I think the, the risk-benefit analysis dictates that we wish it's our achrayus leovda uleshomera to rebuild this amikdash to syndicate his achrayus. So I, I'm not saying it's Rashi, how it's going to be rebuilt, etc. And we should try to do what we can, but I will be saying, at the end of the day, Mashiach is the Kashbrach's agenda. Now, I'm going to delegate, I'm, I'm going to punt to that, let the Kashbrach take care of Mashiach. When I'm, what, I have to, what I have to do first and foremost is make sure that you know, we don't pull the Middle East up at the moment. Now, in addition to that, I have to say, so what are we getting when we go to Harabayit? What we're getting is, um, I think, we're getting very little, you know. It's not that we go, it's, I can imagine that that's that probably a deep religious experience many people going up there. But, I, um, but I also think at the end of the day, you're getting, you're not really going to Harabayit. If it was Harabayit, you couldn't go there. Because <laughs> you'd be Tameh. So what we're getting is, we'll just be closer to the periphery of Harabayit. Right? To put it differently, you go maybe to Harabayit, you can't go to the, to the Mikdash, and that's why you can't go. Because if you could go, you'd be Tameh. So you're really not going. Now, is the Bichlal, now just this to talk halacha for a moment, is the Riyat Panim in Harabayit, not the Azara? It's a in the Chadiga. The conclusion there seems to be no. That Riyat Panim is in the Azara. So, so saying what you're getting is, you really, so I, I think there is a religious value, a sense of like, you know, putting your nose to the window and peering in. But to put your nose to the window to peer in is not the same as to be inside. And to, so then, so I don't think we're getting too much. And the risk, now I think if, you, if the risk versus the benefit, so it's not that the risk is huge. The benefit is also relatively small. On top of that, um, I said, you know, I think from my, my impression is at the end of the day, going up to Arabi is, so the Arabs are very upset, and the Arab, but, but when all said and done, it's a move. You know, there's an alivut going there. You can't daven, you can't, you can't do any religious expression. And the police, in other words, you, you're so restricted. So in a sense, going there, you are partially emphasized, you're partially asserting control. You're also, you're also partially exhibiting and demonstrating how little control you have. And uh, the fact that I am restricted Harabayit is not to do with Israeli police or the Waqf or, uh, or anything like that. The fact that I'm restricted Harabayit is due to one person, the Rambam. And, and the Grand Megillah. So the, the, the fact that I uh, dagger the shul and I don't, and I put a thousand fill in, non harabai but a bit of Knesset. So, from my point of view, there's no, there's no alivut in that. That's because the Rambam told me not to do it, and I'm choshish to the Rambam. If you go there, so I think you're demonstrating how. Uh, let's, 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 I'll put it like this. B'zad Hashem, even scared, I'm going to harabai I want to go there, not the way people go nowadays. I had to go to the and not uh, and not like this. And uh, so you could say, okay, that's gavva. You know, you should, you should have it new to go. I said, but but then that returns to, to the previous issues, which I uh, which I think really dictated. So that's uh, now I'll say a final point. This is this is general observations. Not not really about Even if you believe you should go there, I think the question is, what communal energy? How do I, now, this is true on Harabayit. It can be true about many other things. 
But how much do we emphasize Notzion Mishpati Padeva Shavavit Tzedakah? How much do we emphasize Tzedakah Chesed? How much do we emphasize Yisrael Harabayit and Torah? So that, I mean, I do suspect it's a bit disproportionate. And I also think that, now there's one final point. I don't know anything my father said, except for one sentence. I know one sentence he said in the Tish. He said in the Tish once that he dreads the day, or he fears the day, or whatever it was, when people begin taking selfies in our body. <laughs> he didn't say selfies, this was before they had selfies, but he said when, when, when people start posing for pictures of Harabayit, he'll be quite upset because he'll be the Morami Kiddash. Now, it's like this. I'm not to many American, sh- American shows. You know, they live in Chutzlaretz. They don't, you know, the Tifada is, is in the TV or in the, you know, it's not, you know, they don't live it daily. But all of them have pictures, uh, you know, on the bulletin board of the rabbi posing, you know, Harabayit with, uh, with his congregants. Uh, you know, I, I, people go there for weddings. It's become now. It's, it's obviously it's much easier. To, you know, this is action. This is you know, it's uh, it's a good photo op. Uh, I'm like so. You have to be careful of that also. If you do go, you have to go. If you're gonna go, go to Shabbat Tara and uh, and don't take any pictures. Uh, <laughs> Something that I've struggled with for a number of years is uh, Rabbi Nimuf had a great impact and influence on the community through their Torah or through their music, or you know, and, and and it comes out either during their life or after their life that they were involved in very inappropriate, maybe criminal activities. Is that possible? All the Torah they ever taught is that that does that create a negative uh, engagement with any tune that they may have created? You know, you know. I think you know, it's like this. I think you know, there are two separate issues here. One is, you know, there's a possible, what you asked, there's a possible Torah. You can also ask the reverse. How, how could it be that someone so much Torah in him is behaving like that? You know, also, we have the Torah, Magno, Matzlar. Now, um, listen, I, to a certain degree, I think Chazal really struggled with these issues. And one level, you know, with the, with Elisha ben Abuya, so that, that's a different case. It's, we're talking about philosophy and not uh, personal behavior. But the question is, can can you divorce the personality from the Torah? Like, can you say this Torah exists uh, independent of Chazal uh, struggle? You know, Rabbi Meir had one opinion. I, I know other uh, Chachamim disagreed with him, and the Gemarot in other places. We just talk about, you know. It's like this, I think, uh, I want to this comment. I want to conversation with my father, not about anything that you were referring to, but it's much, much more minor. But, you know, he met, uh, he met another Rosh Shiva, and who was in distress over... I feel something that Ravadia said, you know, Ravadia was often uh, pretty blunt and uh, not exactly, uh, you know, uh, diplomatic at times. Uh, like, like, he was struggling with education, like, how does it... And uh, my father was much less concerned by it. So, but, but, so I think that's what she said, because, you know, he's held up Ravadia as a paradigm of uh, Tzitkut, or this is the God of whatever, 
and um, and therefore, so my father was like, said so you know, he maybe his Torah is excellent, but you know, okay, so I disagree with some of his, you know, with his style, and and, and which one is not what you asked him before, but the, and um, so I said to him, uh, so I said to my father, look. But then, you know, if you had, if you had, if you have Zalman, you, know, you held the world of Shlomo Zalman. If you have Shlomo Zalman, you know, had, had done something like this, you also have an educational crisis. But the, difference, the difference between you and the other Shiva is that you chose Shlomo Zalman, the Ravadi. So your Ravadi is blunt, you're not in a problem. But then I said to him, it's such a need, Yecholiot, she had no tenet. And Yecholiot, the reason you chose Shlomo Zalman, Ravadi is exactly. Because you realize that Shomazam was indeed an exquisitely delicate and gentle soul, and you know he probably never could have done that. And so that's you talking. Though and I think and to get to your question, it depends. You know, I think it depends also on how 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 gregarious or severe the violations are. You know, some things. I mean, it's. I, I, to this, I think Aleph, it, it, it does depend on you know, what, what has been done, what has been allegedly done or, or not. And uh, I think to a certain degree that, that does make a difference. So, uh, additionally, uh, I think you also have to ask something else, which, really is, uh, which, which is the following. I think sometimes people's violations and their achievements are separate. Right? It's very dinim. He could be a tremendous but she knows taxes. I don't think his I don't think his knowledge or his you know his Torah accomplishments are um, are derived from the same motivation as his chin taxes. It's rather uh, he says so you know he's a, he has a blind side to him, and you know he has his personality has a blind spot. And this blind spot allows him to do things which he shouldn't be doing. Um, but at other, at other times, I feel it's a package deal. The same kochot that made him charismatic and, and that gave him the old smoke to begin with, they also undid him. In other words, sometimes you, you can't separate the kishalon from the accomplishment. The accomplishment and the kishalon derive from one and the same force. It's the same force held in check, properly balanced. It's a force of positive. Improperly balanced, it's a very negative force. And, and then, the, then it's the, the, the much more intertwined, which means either you've, like this, if I said before, if, if the violation is minor, so you say, so, well, maybe that's the price of all these accomplishments. And to the reverse, you say, so, well, all this Torah was really created, you know, the Torah's coming from a problematic place because it's the same kohot. The same kohot are, are those who, are, who also create the accomplishment. The more you can, uh, the, the more you think you can pigeonhole them, like the two separate areas, it makes it, I think, it makes it a bit easier to say, okay, the Torah came, like the, the person, we'll say the person is schizophrenic. So his Torah is A, his, uh, his personality is B. I also think something, I thought, also think you have to ask yourself a third question. Which is how do we um, are we out to assess the person or the Torah? You could say, listen, the Torah at the end of the day, Torah namakvelatuma, and the Torah is convincing. And if he has a nice pshat in a gemara or, or, or in a pasuk, I can take the pshat, 
But I would certainly say, if he's not Malach Hashem Tzvakot, you should, you should, I certainly think you should totally disassociate with him personally. That we should not hold him up to be, you know, to be a rav or a paradigm. Uh, what, whether you say the Torah is a Kabbalah tomb or not, that's a really different question. Can you assess it? I tend to think that if the Torah was done sincerely, and, uh, and the person was, you know, the Torah was done sincerely, and not coming from the, the, the problematic places in his personality, was done sincerely, so then you, I think the Torah you can, uh, you can accept, you can, you can accept the person, because the person is a package deal. Yeah, and you can't say, okay, I'll be friendly with your left side, not your right side. But I think you can say, I'll take the Torah you created and not, you know, the other things. But, but I think each case is also very individual. And, and I, I, I don't think you make a sweet statement. I think you have to, it also depends on each individual, uh, you know, exactly what they did and what, uh, what the personality was, uh, etc. Um, I'm a currently a student at Hebrew University. I'm taking a course now in um, Mishpat Hebrew. Uh, I wanted to ask when it comes to Chazal, uh, but also the Roshanim Achanim, how much as Torah Jews is it acceptable to um, recognize, let's say, historical uh, or contextual influences on Sakim or developments of Chazal? Uh, of, for an example of the distinction between uh, the approach to Yibum in Ashkenazi and Sephardi communities. Like how is that something that, that we are willing or able to recognize, or is something that's kind of uh, contradictory to the Masara? Uh, I, I like this. Broadly speaking, well, I, think, I think you have to differentiate between two different kinds of what you call it influences. There's certain influences in the sense what is, what is halacha? What is Torah? It's an ideal system. It's a system of ideas, capital I, which you're trying to apply to a concrete reality. Anytime you take an idea and apply it to reality, there must be a friction. Like, my, my definition of halacha is the, the, the constant of the friction between reality and, and, and the ideal world. So if you try to take a psaq, and apply it to, it doesn't matter whether it's Mishpacha, or Kashus, or Shabbos, or, or Choshen Mishpat, anytime you apply, you take an idea, you take a sugya, and apply it to the real world, there'll be some kind of friction. And Psaac recognizes this as an inherent inner, it's an intrinsic part of it. So, uh, so, so therefore, I don't think there's a problem, per se, to recognize that Psaac is influenced by circumstances. Because circumstances are part of the formula of Psaac to begin with. And you can see post all the time. You, you have to believe the 20th century stories. You can, you know, Bali tells us to comment in this often that, you know, circumstances are what, <coughs> are what dictate their, uh, their Psaac and their prose. Now, of course, you have to recognize, now, I, what I do think is crucial is to recognize that circumstance and idea have an interaction between them. It's not that circumstances always trump halacha. Uh, it's like the halacha surrenders and, and lets circumstances dictate everything. But to go back to the example we, can, we began with, obviously, Hilchasavodazaru influenced by the fact that they now live in Christian Europe as a, as a very small minority and don't live. Uh, now, sometimes it becomes, you know, some of these examples you may agree or disagree with, but like, and, like the fact that the, the Tosud and Ashkenaz. 
they davened the early, right, and the Svarad was the problem, with the Chadash and Chutz Laaretz became Mumuter and Ashkenaz and Asrit Svarad. It's pretty obvious that circumstances were dictating it. However, uh, now, I don't see anything problematic with that. I, I do think that, I, I, however, I do think that two things. We have to be careful how we become dogmatic the other way also. Meaning, it's one of the factors at work. There are many other factors. I'll give you a very good example. And this is how this Rambam writes whether before davening you have to wash only your hands, also your feet. Now, you can come and approach this from my struggle, right? The, the Rambam lives in Muslim countries, so there was an influence, uh, he was influenced by, 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 by Islam, uh, Islamic practice. The Rambam lived in Christian countries. You can do it differently. The Rambam lived in, in hot places, so people didn't wear shoes, so the feet were full of dust. So it was reasonable. The rivet was, was in a Christian, colder climate. Um, you can look at it, but you can also look at it conceptually. You compare it to Kishadai Viraglai. You say, and Kishadai Viraglai is, um, is, is the model. Or you compare it to, to other models. You have a lot of other models, such as Kishadai Viraglai So like, uh, you, you, can, you can use it. And you have to be careful, not to be dogmatic, to take it from one approach and not from the other. Like, you know, you could come, and, I, and I've heard all kinds of, you know, the, you know people discuss, well, this is Israel and Chutzah, because going work, and you know, Chutzah's people go to work, and therefore it's a mindset of Vachadik a day, and there's a struggle, it's Yom Tov Dik, so, uh, but, but then again, there are many inner... You know, with Cholamoy by definition is ambiguous. It's Chol and it's Moed. And Kedush of Cholamoid is many, many other sources and instances. And, you know, and then again, the question is Askenazi Psak versus Faradip Psak. So, not to be dogmatic, everything can be reduced to circumstance. But circumstance is a factor. That's one kind of, I don't see a problem there. What I do think is important to recognize is tracing the circumstances is history. Um, developing the psaac is Torah. Meaning, um, history of medicine is not medicine. And history of medicine, if you have intellectual curiosity and you want to engage in self-reflection upon your work as a doctor, history of medicine is, is, is something worthwhile having such knowledge. Because it gives you an understanding of what you're doing, it gives you a certain perspective on your work. But at the end of the day, when you see a patient, you don't care whether, you know, what's the history of, uh, of the approach to disease or, or to surgery or whatever. At the end of the day, it's what the moment is the best practice. And how it evolved is irrelevant to what you're going to do tomorrow morning. And the same is true of Tefillah, for instance. Right? It's fascinating to read some of Fleischer's um, research about the Gnisa and then Tefillah. But you, you have to make a sitter out of that. Soon you go to shul and you and whatever is the you know whatever happens to be published uh, in the contemporary sidurim and contemporary sidurim continue to reflect the ongoing religious sensitivities right and the sensitivity of the current sidur is not that of the of the Yat Israel and Yat Israel is not that of uh, you know some of the, some of the the, the Hasidish or the or, or, or the Haredi sidurim so 
to, to read about the Guinea is interesting. I think there's no doubt that a lot of this is, you know, I have no problem with it, but that's not tefillah. It's also, it's, it's not halacha. Whatever the reason is, why certain halacha evolved, what were, the, what were the influences to begin with, at the moment, the question is how do we, once it becomes a chetosh Torah, it's incorporated into the system, and now, that's, so this is one kind of influence. I think the other kind is when you don't come and say they influenced by circumstance such as lack of grain uh, post Pesach or whatever, or you say, you know, or you say the, 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 rather you come and say the values. When you come and say that values of uh, outside systems are such as Halitzah Yibum or or, or Kiddushi, when you come and say that influenced by other value systems. You have to be much more careful over there. I think there you have to you have to be much 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 more cautious. I, I don't think you can rule it out. But there, but, but there, I think they have to assume that people knew what they were doing. In other words, it's one thing to come and say that okay, we, we gave a head to Chalash and Chutzlaretz, even though we recognize that it's very dachuk because of circumstances. So it's to come and say that we're willing to let uh, religious uh, sentiments. Or, uh, or moral values of other religious influences. There, I think you have to be, you mamash, you know, you have to have all your filters on and, uh, and, and check yourself a hundred times if it's, if it's external, not internal. So I, I, I don't think I can deny it categorically, but, but there I would be much, much more, extremely more cautious because you're talking about the values of the system. You're not talking about the application. The previous examples were the application of the values to the reality. Here you talk about the values themselves being influenced. That is all different parasha. So that, Rabbi.